Take your Bibles to Exodus 5, if you will. I always get to preach to the remnant. You see there's a hundred in the children's program, but not now. Uh, our program just had a great time on uh, Sunday night, a program uh, filled up the auditorium coming to watch the children and what a blessing that was. We're in Exodus chapter 5. I want to start in verse 19 and read down through the end of the chapter. Exodus chapter 5. And in verse 19, the Bible says, And the officers of the children of Israel did see that they were in evil case. After it was said, Ye shall not minish aught from your bricks of your daily task. Now, this is when they have already told they weren't going to get straw anymore, but they had to go out and find their own and get stubble, just whatever straw would be around, whatever dead grass they could find. And they met Moses and Aaron, who stood in the way as they came forth from Pharaoh. And they said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge because ye have made our savor to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants to put a sword in their hand to slay us. And Moses turned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, He hath done evil to this people, neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. So here we have a case of the Israelites griping to Moses and Moses griping to God. Now we know that Moses is the man of the Old Testament. I mean, God used him to write the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. God used him to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And God used him to lead the Israelites through the 40 years in the wilderness right up to the brink of the promised land. I'm going to speak tonight on the subject, Lessons Learned from Moses. Lessons Learned from Moses. And I think that As we look at how Moses' life was and how God dealt with Moses and how circumstances dealt with Moses, I'm hoping that it will enlighten all of us about how God chooses to work in our lives. Perhaps you might identify with Moses on a few of these things when we learn these lessons that are found in the Word of God as it relates to Moses. Maybe some of you will say, boy, I identify with that. So we'll see. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll get right into it. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Word. I pray that you'll speak to our hearts. I pray, dear Father, you'll give us what we need. I pray that the Word of God would be applicable to our lives and that we would take these lessons and apply them to our lives, Lord, We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Several lessons we can learn from the life of Moses. I'm just going to list some of them and give you Bible verses and talk about each one for a little while and we'll be done today. The first one is you can follow God 
and things appear to turn out all wrong. I don't know where we got this idea in Christianity. If you follow God, everything turns out right. Remember John the Baptist? Something good is going to happen to you. Well, his head was severed, you know. It's, it's like, well, we think, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm in the will of God. I'm doing what God wants. So surely everything's going to turn out just fine. Everything's going to turn out my way. Well, not necessarily. You can be in the will of God and things appear to be falling apart. In verse 23 of that chapter, he said, For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people, neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. And you realize that when Moses first went to Pharaoh, instead of getting better, it got worse and worse and worse. Pharaoh even got to, he said, okay, I'll let them go. No, I won't. Yes, I will. No, I won't. Well, they can do this, but not that. And finally, it took the 10th plague before Pharaoh said, go. But he changed his mind, didn't he? And came after him with his armies. So I'm just saying, because you're in the will of God, doesn't mean that everything's going to come out rosy. And it may be in your life, you're going through some difficulties in some areas, and you're thinking, well, I, you know, I, I read my Bible, I, I'm going to church, I, I pray, and, and, and yet uh, it, it's, not, it's not falling together like I hoped. Well, I want you to understand, according to the life of Moses and many other Bible characters, you can follow God in things appear to turn out all wrong. In fact, usually I've found that when you make a decision for the Lord, that's when the devil wants to pounce on you extra. You watch these kids come back from youth camp and then, I mean, they're on a spiritual high, but you mark it down, the devil wants to jump all over them. That's why we need to be super supportive of them when they get back. And remind them that they've made commitments to the Lord. Stay true. I know it's difficult. Their old friends might want to pull them down. And we experience those things in our own lives. So the first one is you can follow God and things appear to turn out all wrong. Secondly, you can follow God and people still not speak well of you. Oh, surely Moses, I mean... We know how great he is, so surely the Israelites did. Well, not necessarily. Exodus chapter 16, verses 7 and 8 says, And in the morning, then ye shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we that ye murmur against us? Moses says, Why are you murmuring against me and Aaron? Who Who do you think? We're just flesh. We're not God, we're flesh. And he goes on in verse 8 and says, And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which ye murmur against him. For what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. So here... 
Moses is following God. Now, the Bible says Moses was the meekest man upon the face of the earth. God spoke through a prophet and he spoke to Korah and he said this. He said, uh, if I want to speak uh, to you, I'll speak in a vision. I'll speak in a a vision uh, uh, or I'll have a prophet come. But when I speak to Moses, I speak face to face. Now, he didn't say that of anyone else in the Old Testament. And yet, you'd think, well, surely if he has God's favor like that, then everybody's going to like it. Surely, if you're trying to live for Christ, well, well, of course other Christians are going to like you, right? They're not going to have any problem with you. Well... They may, because they did with Moses. And you're going to find just because you're following God doesn't mean that everyone will speak well of you. And in fact, the Bible says, woe unto you when all men speak well of you, right? So there certainly is a crowd that if you're living for God, they shouldn't think very highly of that. But you would think that the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ would certainly think well of you, but... Uh, That won't always be the case, and we need to be prepared for that and know that that's just a reality of a spiritual life. The third thing I want us to see here is you can follow God and still lose your cool. Well, surely you wouldn't. Well, if you're following God, you shouldn't be doing it all the time, right? But can it happen? Well... Let's look at the meekest man upon the face of the earth and just see, did it ever happen? Well, yeah. And you and I know he lost his ticket to the promised land because he got upset. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, Take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, Thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron and thy brother, and speak unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beast drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him, and Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels. He's he's sort of giving them a piece of their mind. Now, I know if we love the Lord, we would never do that, right? We, We would never give someone a piece of our mind. I I have tried to work very, very hard, and even at Christians who are difficult to try to be at peace among ourselves and not speak my mind, but speak the Lord's mind. But I always think about something that happened about 20 years ago when I had a lady in her church that just was almost like a thorn in our side with gossip and such. And... and uh, she asked for a meeting for him, and of course, I, I knew this would be the last meeting we would have with her and her husband. Of course, she did all the talking, but that's nothing, 
nothing. That's just usually. Let me tell you, wives, uh, your husband is the leader of the home, but he does follow you. And uh, most every man who leaves the church is because his wife got upset. He follows her. Uh, that's how much a man loves his wife. He, he wants to be the leader at home, but he also uh, wants a happy wife. Happy wife, happy life, right? So he wants that. And she progressed to say what she didn't like. And for whatever reason, I decided to let her know what I thought. And they left the office pretty quickly after I told them what I thought. Could I say in all these 38 years, that's one thing that sticks out in my mind that I deeply regret. Because that was not Christ-like. And I'm telling you, I bet Moses for the rest of his life deeply regretted the way he responded here. Now, this is the second time that water came out of the rock, and you'll know that the first time God said, tap the rock, strike the rock, and the water will flow. But this second time, God said, speak unto the rock, and the water will come. And Moses got so angry, he got in the flesh, if you will. And know that every one of us has that potential to get in the flesh. It's amazing sometimes how thin the veneer of our lives are. Our spiritual life sometimes has that thin veneer. You ever remember as a young couple the furniture you bought wasn't wood? but it was paper that looked like wood and you could scratch it really easy. It, w- it wasn't even a, you know, a, a, a thick stuff. It was just, it, if you put it, don't put it, don't put that drink on there it, it, and it would swell. And sometimes as Christians, we have a thin veneer if we're not careful. And, and we'll find we get to the flesh very quickly. That should not be. But I also want to say, but don't be surprised if in your life those times come up. It shouldn't be often. You should always regret it. <clears throat> you should always try to make it right. And I did on many occasions. But here, God said to speak to the rock. And the Bible says he took the rock and he gathered them together. And he says, hear now ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly and the congregation drank and their beast also. And you say, well, it worked. I mean, yeah, he got upset. He, he struck, hit that rock. He was supposed to speak to it, but, but it turned out well in the end, didn't it? The water still came. By the way, no one else 
in the congregation knew that Moses disobeyed God. Only he did. Because he was the only one that received the instruction. And let me tell you as a Christian, the Holy Spirit of God gives us instructions all the time, doesn't he? And sometimes we follow that prompting and sometimes we just sort of like, I didn't hear that. Well, you should talk to that person. Well, I don't know why I'm thinking that. Why would I think that? Uh, Well, Mike, it's me. It's the Lord. It's the Holy Spirit. And you should talk to that person. Yeah, but they look busy. I don't think they're interested. I don't think that's what I should do. You know, whenever the Holy Spirit prompts us, there's two things you can, you can know for sure. When he prompts you, first of all, he has prepared a heart that you're unaware of. He's prepared a heart. He's done work that you don't even know is going on. But we say, well, he doesn't look interested. I don't think he would. That would bother them. They would not take kindly to that. Uh, but see, the Lord's been working behind the scenes and he brings you into proximity to that person. Uh, I think I pronounced that wrong. But anyway, he brings you close uh, to that person. I'm from the South. I shouldn't get big words. And he brings you close to that person And then the Holy Spirit says, speak to them for a reason. Several years ago, I was, uh, I've told this a few times, but several years ago, I was was driving around, it was lunch, and I thought, I'm going to get a hamburger for lunch. And for whatever reason, I thought I'd go to Burger King. And usually that's maybe the last place I would go. But I thought, I'll go to Burger King. And so I'm driving there, and there's a bank right on the corner there in that area. If you come in off of uh, Malala Avenue, and then you have to turn left to go to Burger King, there's a bank there. And uh, I'm just driving, and I look over there, and there's a woman that came out of the bank, and she just stopped there, and she was crying. She was just crying. And I don't mean she just, you know, she was going, she was crying and she was like this, crying. And I thought, I bet she heard some bad news. Maybe she checked her bank account and she's overdrawn. Maybe she, you know, maybe she needed some money and she can't get it. Something happened. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching her and I thought, Somebody ought to try to help her. And the Holy Spirit said, well, who do you think you are, Mike? You, you ought to help her. And I thought, I, I should help her. I, I, should, I should at least talk to her and see if there's anything I can do. I mean, I'm not a rich man by far, but I can help somebody. And so I'm watching her, and I'm debating with God, no, maybe I shouldn't. And I watch her for about a minute. She's just sobbing. 
And then I think, okay, okay, I, I probably will. I need to. But then a car pulls up and she gets in it. And they circle around and they come out past where my car is because I'm just in the road. I'm just watching her. And comes around and goes back to Malala and they're turning right on Malala, but I can look through the passenger window and she's still crying. Now, I don't know if I could help her at all, but I do know the Holy Spirit told me to. All of us as Christians are going to live with some regrets in our life, and usually the regrets are not so much what we've done, but it's what we've not done for God. And I talk to men who have regrets about things they've done, but most of us are going to have regrets of what we've not done for God, that God wanted us to do. And I'm just saying that you can follow God and still be disobedient at times. You can still lose your cool. And that's exactly what happened to Moses. And yet he loved the Lord and the Lord loved him and the Lord favored him. The fourth thing I want to say is you can serve God and yet still doubt him. Surely you can't do that. Well, yeah. You can serve God and still doubt him. In Numbers chapter 20, verse 12, the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. God said to Moses and Aaron, Hey, you guys didn't believe me. You didn't have faith in me. Now, I know as Christians, we're supposed to be full of faith, right? The just shall live by faith. We know that's the life for us. But we're not always as full of faith. We're not always like, I know God's going to do it. I know God's going to do it. I hope God's going to do it. I, I hope he's going to come through. If he does it, we're sunk. <laughs> you, you can see your faith sometimes shriveling. Because see, God's timetable's not ours. Someone asked me, what's the most difficult thing in ministry about 15 years ago? I said, it's God's timetable. I want it now. And surprising, God does not embrace my timetable. I've had to learn to embrace his calls for a lot more patience than I was born with. And I've got to develop that in my life. And so do all of us. There's going to be things you pray for and you pray for and you pray for and you pray and you keep praying for and you think, God, uh, are you listening? You can serve God and yet still doubt him. Dr. Jack Hiles used to say, faith is believing God and doubting God, but acting on what you believe. Someone else says faith is 51% faith and 49% doubt. Now, I would hope those numbers would be a little better than that, but 
Don't ever think that faith is absolute. If you don't have a little room for doubt in you, uh, you must be in heaven already because all of that's removed there. But on earth, you're going to have doubts as well. And so it was with Moses as well. Number five, you can have unbelief and still be close to God. Oh, yeah. He doesn't expect, he knows, he remembereth that we are dust. Exodus thirty three eleven says, And the Lord said unto Moses face to face, or spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend, and he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Now, he lost his ticket to the promised land because he didn't have faith in God concerning just speaking to the rock. And yet, we find that the Lord spake to him face to face. He had good communion with God. And yet there were times he lacked in faith. And I would imagine the times that he lacked in faith are 10,000 less times than you and I have, you know, had a lack of faith. He was a man full of faith, by faith. He esteemed the uh, riches of the Lord more than the riches of Pharaoh. Uh, he, was, he made it in the Hall of Fame. Probably our names won't be there, but his name was, and yet he doubted God at times. So I'm just trying to tell you that that's a Christian experience. That's a follower of God's experience that not all the time, but there's going to be times where you face trials in your life and you're going to question, uh, well, maybe God's not listening. Maybe God's not going to come through. Maybe God's not. And, and you question. And let me just say, that's just the fact that just shows you're human. You see, when you got saved, you didn't get perfected on earth. You got perfected in heaven. You can have unbelief and still be close to God. Still be God's child that he favors and he loves and still be the apple of God's eye. Number six, no matter how much God uses you, you still need help. No matter how much God uses you, no matter how much God blesses you, your life, your ministry, your home, your job, whatever, you still need help. You are not self-sufficient. Exodus chapter 17, verse 12, But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Listen, I don't care if you're the great Moses, you still need help. You can't win that battle yourself. He held that rod up, but he got to the place where his physical strength was not enough. And by the way, one of the best things you could do with your life is try to hold somebody's hands up. One of the best things you could do with your life 
is find somebody doing something for God and try to encourage them. Try to hold up their hands. First of all, you don't have a clue the, the weight they're, they're bearing. You, you, you don't have a clue what they're trying to hold up. Just be there for them. Be an Aaron and her. You know, they, they never were Moses, but, but they held up Moses' hands and they helped him. So no matter how much God uses you, you still need help. Number seven, you can make plans that others don't accept, but God is okay with. People are going to question your judgment, but God's okay with it. Numbers chapter 12, verse 1, And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. I don't like who you married, Moses. And God said, I don't care. Let him pick. It's his wife. Let him, let him pick what he wants. Well, Miriam, she became vocal on it. And she had leprosy for seven days and stayed outside the camp for speaking against her older brother. I'm going to tell my sisters, careful what you say about your older brother. <laughs> But we find here that no matter how much God uses you, you need help, and you can make plans that others don't accept, but God's okay with. Um, You know what plans are? Plans are what you hope will happen. That's all it is. Plans are what you hope will happen. When we got into this process of looking at a new building and we started talking to architects and they gave us, well, we could do this. Well, we have enough for plans right now. And they would say, don't do that. Well, yeah, but we need plans before we do any. Yeah, yeah, but don't, you don't need plans right now. Until you raise a good amount of the money You don't need the plans. So we waited until we went over the million mark and got about to the 1.5 million mark. And right now, the plans, as we're close to 2 million, are being developed. I said, well, why is that? Because there's a whole bunch of churches that have detailed plans but never raised the money to build the building. And all they did was spend money on plans. Every year, I've always preached on my vision for the church. My vision for Grandview Baptist Church. My vision for 2022. My vision for 2021. I started at Grandview Baptist Church in 1984. And so in 1985, January, first Sunday, I preached on my vision for 1985 for Grandview Baptist Church. I've done that every single year. But I started a church in Conway, Arkansas, and I was there five and a half years. And every year I preached on my vision for Mount Calvary Baptist Church for that year. Starting in like uh, 19... 
1978. My vision for 1978. My vision for 1979. My vision for 1980. For five and a half years. Do you know that probably out of all those visions, maybe 10% of it came about? Many years ago, I was at a pastor's meeting. And uh, there was a group, maybe about 40 pastors in a room. And they were sitting all around the room. And it was just one of the sessions, breakaway sessions. I was not teaching the, the class at all. But one of the men, it was about church planning, and one of the men said, I have had a lot of plans in my new church, and I've shared those with the people, but quite frankly, none of them have come to pass. Maybe I ought to stop sharing. Maybe I should not share any vision that I feel like God gives me. Is that what I should do. And the, the pastor of that church who was in charge of it uh, said, you know, I've not pastored long enough to know the answer to that. And he knew me to some degree. And he said, Pastor Mutchler, how long have you been in your church? And I told him at that time, maybe 20 years. And he said, uh, could you answer that question? I said, I'd be glad to. You're asking if you're sharing too much vision. And I would say, if things aren't coming about like you want, you don't have enough vision. You ought to have so much vision that if 10% of it comes to pass, God's going to bless your work. It's not that everything you do is the fact that you're always pushing to do that God honors. I was talking to Brother TJ this week in our office. He came in and we were talking and he said, you know, the thing that I've learned most of all here at Grandview Baptist Church is we're always pushing to reach more for Christ. We're always pushing to reach more more for Jesus Christ. Always want to do more. He said, Pastor, I never would have learned that. He said, I've never been in a church like that until I came here. And we're not a great church, but we're a church with good people that want to do more for Jesus. You can make plans that others don't accept, but God's okay with. Number eight, my time's quickening. You can follow God all your life and still not get to accomplish what you hoped. You can follow God all of your life and still not get to accomplish what you hoped. Now, um, I've known for a long time that women go through a midlife crisis, midlife change, uh, but men do too. But it's not physical. Men have a midlife crisis when 
their dreams of the youth, they get to the age where they realize that the dreams of their youth may never be realized. The things they thought that they could accomplish haven't materialized in their middle age. And they can get depressed because they thought they would have a business or they thought they would be further along in life. They thought they would be far more successful than, than what they are. They, they had aspirations that they never quite grasped. But that's okay because you can follow God all your life and never get to accomplish what you dreamed of. And by the way, not only we see that in the life of Moses, but remember David never got to build the temple. And yet in Psalms 27, he said, one thing have I longed for, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. I, I, I want to be in that temple, but he never got to. Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 23 through 28, And I besought the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand, for what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might, I pray thee, let me go over and see the good land that is beyond Jordan, that goodly mountain and Lebanon. But the Lord was wroth with me, for your sakes, and would not hear me. And the Lord said unto me, Let it suffice thee, speak no more unto me of this matter. God just shut him down. He's buttering up God, telling him how great he is. And then he says, By the way, will you let me go in the land? And God says, No, and don't bring it up again. And he goes on and says, Get thee up to the top of Pishkah, lift up thine eyes westward and northward, southward and eastward, and behold it with thine eyes, for thou shalt not go over this Jordan, but charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go over before this people, and he shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shalt see. So you can serve God all your life, but never get to accomplish what you hoped you could accomplish. Let me share the last thing. When you follow God, and I love this part, it always ends up great in the end. So maybe your plans don't materialize, but God's plan all comes together. And you're going to find that his plans were so much better than yours. God has a way of bringing it all together. Well, I never got, yeah, but look what God did do in your life. Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up in a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto him Moses and Elias talking with him. What did Moses always want to do? Step foot in the promised land. What did he do on the Mount of Transfiguration? He stepped foot in the promised land. It turned out right okay. And he got to stand there with Elijah and he got to stand there with Jesus. It was better than he ever dreamed. 
standing in the promised land. Don't worry about your dreams, your hopes, your aspirations. You're one person serving God, doing the best you know how to do. But if you keep serving God, it ends up excellent in the end. And you're going to be a happy camper. I trust that these lessons from the life of Moses, you'll be able to apply some of them to your life. And perhaps one or two of them, you could say, yeah, I could check the box on that one. But I think before we meet the Lord, we will have checked the box on all of them. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time we have. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the lessons we learn from the lives of men and women in the word of God. The Bible says they're written for our examples. They're written for our admonition. And Lord, we learn from their lives how you deal with your children. And Lord, I thank you that the way we have experienced you in our lives were the same things that Moses went through, Paul went through, David went through. Lord, we're not 100% faith. We have doubts. We have weakness. We're not self-sufficient. We need help. We're not always right. But Lord, we're so grateful that you love us enough that you always turn it around for good and will end up well in the end. And we thank you for that. And by faith, we accept that in our own lives. So bless these good people, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet for a moment. Uh, piano uh, is going to play here in just a moment. And uh, let's bow our heads and would you talk to the Lord if there's some areas that you had to check, <clears throat> that Moses had checked in his life. God speak to your life. God bless you. So good to have each and every one of you here with us. We look forward to seeing you this Sunday. And um, just pray that God will once again, once again touch hearts. Even in the summertime, God is bringing us several visiting families every single Sunday. And uh, we're getting to follow up on them and hearing good reports. So keep praying for your church. God bless you. You are dismissed.